we're back. You're listening to Money Talks. we got some more questions. Uh, if you want to reach us to uh, ask your questions, uh, you can always call 770-429-9166, or you can email us at uh, drgene at hensler.com. That, again, is H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. All right, so uh, we do have a few questions this week. Uh, Paul from Vinings has uh, asked us. He says, I've owned shares of Expedia for a little less than six months. While the dip this past January wasn't about to bankrupt me, it did make me question my pick. Uh, It's close to where I bought it. Do I sell and find something less volatile or all cyclical goods stocks this volatile? Um, Expedia is kind of a new uh, creation obviously if you've watched TV for more than five minutes you've probably seen uh, Expedia or a Priceline ad yep. um, Expedia is an online uh, travel company as mm-hmm. is their biggest competitor Priceline and believe it or not many of the companies that you see uh, online are all tied together in one or the other of those two companies. Uh, when I look at what's going on, the earnings growth over the past five years for Expedia is negative 0.01, so it's relatively flat. Uh, you look at what revenues have done, though, and it's really impressive, 25.5%. Um, EVA spread's negative. I talk about this a lot. It's uh, basically return on invested capital minus the uh, cost of capital. Uh, when it's negative, you arguably have a, a negative economic profit. Mm-hmm. Uh, not something that I revere too much. Debt to equity, it's uh, you know this is a basically an internet site. They've they've uh, levered up a good bit, 76.5% uh, debt uh, to their relative to their equity. Uh, the company's not as profitable as I would have expected. Uh, return on assets is uh, 2.2%, while return on equity is 8.5%. The differential there is usually made up because of the difference in the uh, in the debt. If you use debt holders' money to uh, run your operations, then you your uh, equity holders actually wind up getting better returns. So uh, yeah, this is kind of similar to one we looked at last week, uh, Blue Apron. I think. I mean, right. th- there's. There's a fair amount of competition out there in that, that space. It's nothing that's right. uh, th- that they can create a very wide moat around being able to, you know, differentiate themselves from their competitors. So, right. uh, you know, n- nothing that is incredibly different. Yeah, exactly. So let me make a point on top of that one, Casey. The brands for Expedia include, now, you've heard of all of these, Hotels.com, Trivago, Orbitz, HomeAway, Hotwire, Travelocity, and CarRentals.com. They're, all of those companies are wrapped up in this, and the reason that they are is because every time somebody comes out with a, a new iteration of online travel, uh, guess what happens? There's a, there's a bid and war. Expedia or Priceline buys them up. If you want to talk about Priceline, um, they're booking.com, kayak, open table, rentalcars.com. I mean, it's and priceline.com, obviously the namesake. So that's just the way that this whole game is played. You get somebody else that comes out there, they uh, present a threat, they get bought out. I'll be honest with you, I don't like the business model. And uh, for that reason, I would say I would avoid Priceline and Expedia, uh, neither of which actually meet our criteria for uh, for investing. So. Uh, there you have it, Paul. I hope that helps you. I would sell it and buy myself, buy myself something that uh, had a bit of a better business model. Um, guys, we got another one here. Um, Amber from Roswell writes to ask, my son will be co-oping his senior year in college, so he'll be working full-time on and off for a pretty big company. 
Since he's starting to enter the real world, I was hoping to give him some guidance on personal finance. What would you go over? I think some basic money management techniques would be smart thing. I mean, from a budgeting perspective, if he's not already, you know, done some of that throughout college, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, you know, it's something he'd probably want to consider going into his, his first job or having his first real income, I would say. Uh, and then, you know, maybe some credit management, because I know that's something a lot of folks run into uh, upon coming out, even if they have good credit, uh, if they've never really had any kind of extension of credit uh, during college, be it through a home loan or, uh, you know, any, any kind of utilities company anything like that that would help them build credit uh, it's going to be very difficult to get after the fact so it may be a good idea while he is uh, earning an income and still having pretty low expenses I would imagine to maybe start uh, a credit card and uh, use his income to pay that off each month to start to build some credit uh, you know the, the budgeting and the credit piece is two things I know that's something I would focus on uh, with, with if I had a, a child coming right out of college because it's, it's such an important piece around that time but yeah when we do financial planning I mean it, it, a lot of of it does factor in, you know, inflation and time value of money and and asset allocation, which is all very important. So I'm not trying to downplay that at all. But if you don't have a budget, you don't know how much you spend, you don't know how much you save or can save, then that really is all gone for naught. Because uh, you know, the most important thing, even with our clients that are very complex, at the end of the day, it comes down to. Uh, how much do you spend, and are you spending at a sustainable level to where you can be solvent? So uh, to having that budgeting piece is, is very important. Um, when you start to get into the investments, you know, then you do want to look at you know, risk tolerance, how, how much risk do you want to take. I mean, time horizon for somebody this, this age is going to be uh, very long, I would think, so there's probably sure. a pretty good chance they could – take on a relatively you know decent amount of risk and be able to to hopefully get some good returns from that um but the fact that you know a dollar today is worth more than a dollar tomorrow and um and then how do you how do you allocate your assets to to achieve a rate of return that's reasonable but um you know that's going to give you a, a an acceptable amount of risk and hopefully reward yeah. Uh, Casey, I'm glad that you actually covered it in that way, uh, you know, talking about the budget first and then going into investments. Until you get that that cornerstone of your budget set up, you really have no business trying to invest any money. And I Absolutely. know uh, young kids quite often will uh, kind of get the cart before the horse in that regard. And, you know, I've even seen some who grew up uh, – or came of age during 2007 and 8 they saw the the risks that were that uh, caused huge crash in the market obviously yeah. and a lot of them aren't willing to take enough risk yeah. and uh, i think you got to be real careful of that and this ties back into that inflation comment you made if your investment is not sufficient to overcome inflation you're actually still going backwards. Yeah. So if you you're took your money and you didn't, power. yeah, if you didn't want to take on enough risk, you stuff your money in the mattress. Guess what? Whatever inflation is, if it's two percent this year, you just went from a hundred percent to ninety-eight percent over a year's time. Yeah. You have to be mindful yep. of uh, the risk you're taking. And to your point, uh, when you're young, you have a, a longer investment horizon, so you should be able to take on more risk. And basically, what that says is, if there is a significant downturn in the market, you have time to recover from that loss. Yeah. We look at long-term returns uh, in the S&P 500 and note that uh, it makes 10.5% since 1925. Think of all that's happened during that period. Well, and even the, the more staggering number to me, Troy, and this is something that I tell clients all the time, is if you look back at the, the rolling 10-year period since 1926, there's been two times when the market wasn't 
higher at the end of the 10-year period than it was at the beginning. Absolutely, And it was yeah. basically flat during yep. those two periods. So. Yeah. All right. Uh, we got a question from Gary from Kennesaw. He's saying, uh, I'm looking for some good plays in the industrial sector. What do you think of Mueller Industries or Hillenbrand Incorporated? Uh, Mueller Industries is a manufacturer of copper, brass, aluminum, and plastic products. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I'm not too crazy about industrials at all right now, but... Uh, if I was going to be crazy about one, it probably wouldn't be uh, Mueller, who has all the exposure to uh, basic materials as well. So uh, if you look at the details here, uh, it's not closely followed by any analysts, so it gives you a little bit of information. Sometimes that can be a good thing, though. You can uh, you can get outsized returns from time to time uh, with a company that analysts don't follow because they, it's easy to surprise when nobody's looking, right? Uh, you can have earnings growth. And in this case, Mueller's got 9.16% earnings growth over, growth over the last five years. Um, but you look at some of the other details, and I'm really just not impressed. It does pay a dividend, 1.3% uh, yield. Uh, honestly, I'd rather look in the, uh, in the staples, consumer staples right now, or uh, even utilities. Uh, Dividend-paying stocks have done quite well over the last couple of years, and I really don't see an end to that uh, based on the fact that uh, interest rates, I think uh, the Fed's top um, target is about 3%, currently at 1 to 1 and a quarter. Uh, if you stay relatively short uh, on the yield curve or buy in dividend-paying stocks, I, I think you'd do better there. Uh, when you're talking about Hillenbrand, uh, it's a diversified industrial company. It actually owns a company that uh, that is more staple-like, and that is Batesville Caskets. Um, there you I think, go. I, I mean, There's always going to be a need for caskets, right? Exactly, yeah. And uh, if you look at the earnings growth over the past five years in uh, Hillenbrand, 5.42%, uh, expected to be about 8.5% going forward. Uh, dividend, 2.29%. So it's a pretty respectable dividend. It's well covered, 2.4 times. Uh, debt to equity, 96.5%. So it's, you know, it's almost 50-50 debt and equity uh, uh, funded. Um, but... All things considered, I'd still rather, I mean, if, if you're looking, look for something that's more diversified. Now, I would take it one step further because uh, I like 3M. Uh, if you look at what's going on with 3M, and it's it's one of the companies that I do recommend uh, to our clients, um, it's, a, uh, it's a big diversified uh, industrial company, uh, ROA at about 15.4%. You look back on the uh, return on assets for uh, Hillenbrand is 6.9, so uh, much more profitable. The return on equity at 44.9 versus uh, Hillenbrand at 20.9%. Revenue growth is about 3%. Uh, Hillenbrand, caskets or not, does have a negative uh, three-year growth, negative uh, 1%, relatively flat, but it is going a little bit in the wrong direction. So uh, all things considered, I would rather see uh, 3M in a portfolio than uh, Hillenbrand. Now, I will tell you this. Uh -oh. All, just about everything I look at these days looks a little expensive yeah, relative to its... That's where I was about to go. Yeah. So you, you mentioned that you would probably prefer a staple to an industrial at this point, you know, all things yep. equal. So would that be uh, an indication of maybe the market being a little bit overvalued and, and yep. expectation that we're, we've, you know, we've been on this bull rally for what, eight Over years? Eight, yeah, eight and a half almost. Eight and a half. So, you know, I guess at some point 
all good things must come to an end. That's true. Obviously, we don't know when that's going to happen or right. uh, what that t- time horizon looks like. But yeah, with the, the there's some things in the market, some indications that you know a pullback would not be out of the realm of possibility. Is that yeah? The bull market is is mature. I mean, at this point, you you've got um, employment, uh, unemployment that's uh, that's showing you that we're near full employment. Uh, prices are a little expensive. Uh, I think a pullback could cure it. And I think also if we saw uh, some true changes in Washington, we we uh, ran up on the hope that we would get uh, significant regulatory changes. And I, honestly, has anybody seen them? Right. About the biggest change that we've seen is we did get a new Supreme Court justice. Yeah. Um, beyond that, we really haven't seen anything. Health care failed uh, to get through just before the 4th of July uh, congressional break. Uh, we're sitting yeah. here wondering where the real change is coming, and you can't run up uh, well, you prices without some fundamental support. And mm-hmm. we were talking about this a little bit before the show, Troy, but, I mean, the, the House was able to pass their their version of the health care bill. The Senate right. has, is still in limbo. They haven't voted on it yet. Right. Um, probably because they're, you know, good chance they can't secure the votes for it. Right. Uh, at least not at this point in the current stage. So, they got to pass the health care legislation before they can come up with their budget because there's a lot that's in the you know Affordable Care Act that's related to tied to the budget. So if that's going right. to stay, then they're going to have to to factor that into their their fiscal budget. That's correct. And then you know they can't do the tax reform until they figure out what their budget looks like. Exactly. So I mean it, it's starting to look a little bit grim that we get anything done as far as tax reform goes before the end of the year. Right, and then if you if you drag it out to 2018, my concern is that you know it's the midterm election cycle, and everybody's going to be focused on that and not wanting to really change anything uh, that's going to be major prior to you know their seat possibly being up for grabs. So I think there's a there's a steep road to hoe there for uh, the Republicans and and getting the legislation passed. So like you said, the market ran up on hope. And uh, that hope might be fading a little bit, and yeah. so just kind of surprising considering how much control the Republicans have, you know, across Congress and right. you know, the White I, House. I describe it like this: it's almost like you got three parties exactly. in Washington. Though mm-hmm. you look at the bifurcation of the the Republican Party, and one is very conservative, the the Freedom Caucus is very conservative, and then you got everybody else in the Republican Party who seem to want to get something done, but mm. it's just not happening. Um, you know, it, it's uh, and there's not going to be any kind of bipartisan support, so everything's no. going to have to be unilateral, which makes it difficult when you've got a bifurcated party that's in right. control. Yeah, and so. uh, the the thing is, you shouldn't be surprised at that uh, at that unilateral action. That's how we got Obamacare. There was not a single Republican vote that went into giving us that particular piece of and legislation. And I think that's what the Republicans are are nervous about that from the standpoint of uh, that, that cost Democrats a lot of seats in the the election, the midterm elections, and then right. sub. Subsequently, the the presidential and and the next presidential race. Uh, yeah. So there there uh, some interesting questions and things that are going to be answered or, or not answered. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, it seems maybe not answered. Uh, yeah. There's there's some yeah. folks that I've talked to lately that uh, are telling me that it might be first quarter 2018 before we see any meaningful changes in legislation, uh, which is you know about six months further down the road than uh, they were telling us six months ago right so uh you know we're still sitting here uh dealing with hope we see the the volatility in the markets kicking up just a little bit here and there uh gives me reason to to want to um 
I wouldn't say de-risk, but I surely would get my portfolio in line with my long-term strategy, making sure that it is, uh, you know, that the gains are taken off the table and I'm I'm sitting where I really want to be. Well, and, you know, the way that we invest with, uh, we have a very high quality standard that we set for even our equity portfolio. So, you know, if we do go into any kind of downturn, you would expect that that our portfolio should perform a little bit better than the market, just based on the fact that we don't take as much risk. Um, so the high quality tends to outperform when we get get into a, a poorer market conditions. Um, so from that standpoint, to your point, rebalancing uh, is a good good option. You should move into some of those staples and and things like that if your portfolio is set up the way ours is. Absolutely. So uh, you know to to answer your question, if you got to Hill and Brand's okay. I'd rather see you in a 3M that's got more diversity. Uh, you know, if you if you uh, really want to heed my my true warning, I would probably overweight consumer staples just a little bit going into the uh, the next little bit. So, Jarrett, this is the time of the uh, radio show where you make a complete and utter uh, jerk of yourself again. So, what's the market about to do? <laughs> Let me flip my coin. Wow. Hold on. Let's check this. <laughs> you, you <laughs> okay, going with heads. Uh, I guess that means we're going going up. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go up to sharply. Sharply. Wow. Okay. I always say up. KC, what'd you say? I said up to. All right. Awesome. You've been listening to Money Talks. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.